Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks for tuning in, and it's been a couple of episodes since I've had someone in the interview seat. It's just been me for the last few shows, and part of that has to do with the fact that I was traveling, and I try to keep the show fresh. I don't like to have too many recorded in advance, but sometimes that gets me in trouble because I don't have anything in the can when I'm on the road, so I have to come up with some things to share, but it's so interesting how many people email me after the solo episodes of just me talking and tell me they want me to do more of those. So if you haven't checked out one of the episodes where it's just me, you can go back to the last couple of episodes and you will hear me sort of pontificating some different ideas. But today I have a great guest, somebody who I have worked with closely over the last couple of years because his company has actually helped me with my uh, video and my website. And so it's been fun to work on a couple of projects with Matt Wolski. And I met Matt a couple of years ago, right after he graduated from St. Edward's University. And he was going to stay in Austin. He's from the Midwest, but he was going to set down roots. And instead of going the corporate way, as so many do right after college, who have that internal idea of wanting to start their own thing, he decided he was going to start right out of the gates. And he founded a company called Found Media Group. And I'll let him tell you a little bit more about all the things that Found Media Group does. But they have really helped me kind of take my uh, website and my video to the next level. So they've been really good to work with. But as many entrepreneurs, he doesn't stop there. He also owns a bar and is soon to open a restaurant in downtown Austin. So his bar is called Parlor and Yard. And the restaurant is called Coast, and both of them, one is in the 6th Street area, one is in sort of the warehouse district area, and they are uh, both brand new. Like I said, the restaurant isn't even open yet, but it will be soon, and I'm going to be one of the first people to uh, bring my wife to have dinner at Coast, his new restaurant. So Matt Wolski, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks, Tom. Looking forward to uh, finally being a part of one of these. That's right. I've only been talking about having you on the show for probably about six months, but but here you are. So why don't you tell everybody about your businesses and how you got started? Sure. So, uh, yeah, you gave a pretty good uh, background into St. Ed's and all that. But uh, when I graduated St. Ed's, my degree is actually in bioinformatics and uh, realized after an internship that that wasn't where I wanted to go. So I uh, started working in a PR firm, and uh, that led to me meeting Mitchell Hallmark, who uh, you've worked with, but he's our photo video guy at Found. And uh, so we started Found in 2013 and just kind of had the goal of working with entrepreneurs on how they um, are able to express themselves and get some really high-level content and creative out that normally they might not be able to access because of you know barriers from other how expensive other agencies are different things like that so it just gives them a one-stop shop to get all aspects of their brand nailed down and out in the open well and it is hard for a solopreneur or a very small business or a restaurant to really be able to have quality branding materials because you know the cost on some of these things people who work with really large companies you know when you look at the cost it's just cost prohibitive and so you've sort of found a really good niche working with those people in sort of that that smaller area how come you decided to work with them or or when uh, i say absolutely. them when i say them i mean me 
<laughs> yeah, we um, so it really started with the idea that uh, there was a niche right above where people kind of age out of freelancers uh, and aren't ready for a big firm like you talked about, you know, somebody with massive 20, 30 people overhead, big office, all that kind of thing. So uh, we found that there are a lot of people like you uh, in that and, you know, the slightly larger companies, maybe 20 employees, 30 employees that have a brand that really needs uh, help, but they don't have the resources to hire in-house. Uh, or like I said, they, they're kind of tired of working with 15 different freelancers to get all these projects done. So uh, we just found that that was a really good niche for us to work in an area that um, we could provide, you know, one-stop solutions, like I said, but they still felt like they were getting the level of work out of some of these bigger agencies. Um, so that's where we kind of settled in this boutique, uh, smaller group world. So what led you to become an entrepreneur? Was this something, I mean, you did it kind of right out of college, whereas a lot of people do spend a lot of time in, in bigger companies. Was this something that as a kid, I mean, did you have lemonade stands and did you sell candy and, you know, behind your teacher's back? And, or is this something that just was the right time at the right place? Yeah, um, maybe a little of both. Um, I think, you know, we had bake sales and those kind of things growing up, but it's something I never really thought about. Um, had long conversations with some people in town about when people start thinking about entrepreneurship. And I really think it was just the right place, right time, right place. Uh, when I decided that my current degree wasn't for me, soft, sophomore summer, I uh, just started feeling around on what else worked. I uh, had a great internship and uh, just realized that it was something that I really didn't need to wait on. And a lot of people talk about um, how, you know, there's so much risk in doing it right out of college. But to me, I saw it the exact opposite way where there really was no risk because if it didn't work, I just went and got a job like all my friends. Yeah, well, uh, so, <laughs> and that's I, actually I didn't have anything to lose. That's actually something, you know, when I look at, at my life, I didn't have the guts to do it because it did seem risky. But as I watched you sort of start your business and get going, I mean, you know, you were parking cars on the side to, to, to sort of help things mm -hmm. get going early on. And I thought, you know, that's something that would be harder for me to do now at 50, not only because I couldn't run from the, you know, valet stand to the actual cars without falling over dead, probably. But, you know, the other thing is just all the pieces, all the hours that you put in. And whereas when you have a family, you can't work sort of all your waking hours. But... I think actually it was less risky for you to do it at that time. And you must have a lot of friends who are in sort of corporate jobs now that you're three or four years out of school and, you know, who are looking at you going, whoa, I like his life. Yeah, it happened a lot, especially after the, um, the bar opened. It was one of those things where cause the bar is just kind of a funny uh, coincidence, but it's also people I met by being in. Um, you know, the marketing firm, I met Bridget, who owns a lot of those bars on Rainy Street. And so when a deal started coming across and people started liking the way I did things and, you know, the group I ran in and we got offered a different project, it was easy to go to her and partner because we had a three-year relationship from found. Uh, so it's funny how none of it seemed to make sense in 2013, but now it's becoming pretty clear in 2016. So do your friends like come and hang, coming and hanging out at the bar that you own? Oh, absolutely. Is it like Cheers? It's like, my buddy owns a bar. Let's go to Cheers. <laughs> I don't oh, Hopefully, I don't think it's quite Cheers, but yeah, it's, it's been pretty good. It's a, it's been a fun spot to have. It's um, something Jason and I had talked about for a long time, uh, just kind of different places. And I think that's, that's where um, kind of my entrepreneurial spirit kind of leads is just building spaces and things um, that people can interact with or, you know, it gives people jobs and all of that. And uh, that's what kind of fuels each project I do. 
So let's talk a little bit about the restaurant, because I think a lot of people sort of have this, you know, fantasy of opening a restaurant. But when you really look at it, it's like one of the greatest failure rates of any type of entrepreneurial venture. So tell me about the restaurant. What's going to make it different? Why is it cool? And and why do we all want to eat at Coast when we're visiting Austin or living in Austin? Absolutely. It's it's definitely um, it's everything people say it is on the uh, tough road to getting open and the challenge. Uh, But so Coast is an idea. Um, Ben, Jason, and I came up with, we have a hospitality group called Lion Share Hospitality. Uh, we're all Leos. We thought that was pretty cool. So Lion Share <laughs> it is. Um, but um, we came up with this idea, Coast, based around, so Mulberry, the restaurant that was there before, uh, was run by a chef named Rustin Richardson. Uh, for Austin people, he was the chef at Podgy House for a long time. Uh, and you know, he was there for about the last year, and he was doing these seafood specials that were just like mind-blowingly delicious. But really simple uh, and, you know, not overdone, just accessible, but incredible. Nothing you could do at home, but you weren't scared to order it, uh, which I think is important in kind of this food space. And we had just so much uh, found was working with Mulberry and we had just so much uh, interaction with him and different things like that, that eventually when the ownership approached us, uh, we were really excited and kind of spun that into what we were doing and really wanted to just leverage the chef. Um, so Coast, the idea and what makes it different, it's uh, a, a great restaurant, but then after hours, it spins into more of a cocktail lounge bar when the kitchen closes down. So, uh, And it's also seafood focused, which uh, Austin's starting to catch up in seafood with some places opening, but in general, there's kind of the one or two big ones, and then that's really it in that space. Uh, kind of like Italian in Austin, there were like three choices, then all of a sudden in 2015, like five or six opened. Uh, so I think... For us, we just saw it as a good niche, and the, the team we had in place was really comfortable in um, making it not only a really good restaurant, but what makes it different and more sustainable uh, is the neighborhood it's in. It's right amongst you know the Seaholm and where the Independence opening and all this new development in the Second Street district, uh, and then having that cocktail late night component uh, makes it a little different and maybe a little less risky than a traditional restaurant. So you have your, you know, your media branding company, you have a bar, you have a restaurant, you've got your hands, you know, in helping a lot of other types of people through those things through different, you know, businesses. So you've kind of pieced your life together through a series of different things. Tell me, what do you absolutely love about the life of being an entrepreneur? The flexibility, Um, the flexibility to do three or four seemingly totally unrelated things and have people look at it and go, that makes sense. Uh, I think that's the best. And, you know, you said in the intro, I'm from the Midwest, uh, just had uh, first nephew in the family a couple months ago. Oh, in congratulations. November. So the, thank you. So the flexibility to be able to just go home for three days or, uh, you know, Mitch, our photo video guy, him and I just did a big trip for clients last week and we decided we were close to Big Bend and Marfa. So we did three, four days there at the end. Uh, and just that, you know, when you talk about my, my friends who are three, four years out, they're really just kind of hitting that corporate grind now uh, where they're maybe they're starting to move up the ladder, all of that kind of thing. And that's great for them. Uh, but I would be suffering in that environment. So being able to live a, a flexible life where I could work 90 hours a week valeting and all that to get to something going. And then, you know, some weeks you work 20 or 30, some weeks you, you know, want to pull your hair out. But most of the time it's all just, but it's all for you, which is the most exciting part. You know, you're, uh, you're the one driving at all times. So what advice do you have for somebody who's listening to this going, I, I want to put together a life like that. Someone who wants to, to start their own thing or maybe things. 
what, uh, what advice do you have for somebody? Um, I think to your point earlier, early on, I don't think it's important uh, to worry about the risk <laughs> when you're, especially when you're young. Uh, because to me, some people might fight me on this, but I really don't think there's much risk right out of college because especially with the current landscape and all that you have um, just, if, if it doesn't work, you're going to, you're going to have to find what everyone else finds, which is that normal nine to five. Uh, so I think being able to just take that leap is, right out of college is uh, interesting. And obviously in certain industries, it wouldn't make sense. Um, but that's the most important thing. And I think, you know, my dad just uh, quit his job. He's 59 and uh, started a franchise and he'd been wanting to do it forever. Uh, but he's now self-employed as well. And it's, he's, he's killing it. And it was funny for him. Now him and I bounce ideas off each other about, you know, different payroll solutions and different project management tools and all of that. And for him, it was the same thing. It was, you know, finally kind of deciding it was what he wanted and just pulling that trigger. And it took him till he was 59, but uh, I did when I was 22, but uh, it was all that same motivation. Well, you know, it's interesting. You talk about the fact that, you know, people think it's risky. The truth of the matter is today going to work for a regular, you know, job, a company, a corporation can be risky. I worked for several companies that either went out of business or closed their Austin offices. So I was laid off several times and it was never anything I did. I was successful. You know, I was a sales and marketing person and the pe- the things that I worked on were, you know, moderately to extremely successful. And yet they still let me go. When times got rough for the company, their loyalty to me was about a zero. You know, my, my bosses still made their, their payment on their, you know, lake houses, but I was out of a job. And so that was sort of, you know, maybe more risky than being able to figure out how to, how to carve your own path. Absolutely. And I think that's where, you know, Austin's known as a city with many, many side jobs. You know, everyone's got a side project. And I think, uh, not losing sight of that I and mean, whatever you're doing is important because those side projects insulate you a little bit from the situations you just talked about. You know, if you have something uh, that at least you're not starting from zero, if that's how you have to look at it to get started uh, as kind of a almost a security blanket of sorts, which not many people look at entrepreneurship as a security blanket at all, but uh, just getting you moving on that, that drive and then it starts working uh, or you start pivoting if it's not working and then eventually you're ready to do it full time. So, Matt, your generation gets kind of a bum rap because everybody thinks that you guys are all just about, you know, being on your phone and texting and you don't want to talk to people in person and that you don't have the skills to do that. But I met you, I think you hadn't graduated college yet, and you were reaching out to people in the community and buying them coffee and, you know, asking about different things about what they're doing and what their needs were and was there a need for the branding company you were starting. And how important do you think it is to get out there and network? Incredibly important. I think uh, in all industries, you know, it, it's your best friend. You know, it, not only networking, but keeping in mind your reputation. You know, so uh, keeping in mind how you deliver to clients and how they talk about you after the fact is just as important. And you know, for networking, for me, when when I was starting, found I made a list of forty or fifty people every single uh, month that I wanted to meet. And then just, I think if you remember from our first meeting, we sat down and then I turned the list to you and asked if you could help me out by getting me in front of a few other people. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and uh, I did that every month for a solid six, seven months. I need to get back to doing that because I've got a little passive in that. But uh, And you know, it, it fed my business. Um, it wasn't totally my goal to feed my business. It really was a goal to just 
you know, meet people and start to ask questions. And then it fed the, the full launch of my business just from people enjoying our time together and saying, well, I have needs. Uh, and then that compounded to where we're um, about 95% referrals now it found. And it's from people like you and people that we've been working with for three years that just well, every once in a while they'll run into someone who needs a website or needs branding of some kind and passes them to us. And, you know, years down the road, it's still important. So having those relationships uh, are, is essential. Well, and it's, you know, it's fascinating because I always go back to sort of the cliche of people do business with people that they know, they like, and they trust. And connecting with someone through a like, a link, a share, or a follow doesn't really build a relationship. I mean, we might know of somebody, but if you, you know, oh, I follow him on Twitter. I know him. Well, no, you don't. You follow him on Twitter. Who knows? He could be crazy in real life. And so sitting down, you know, across from somebody, you know, I got to know you. I liked you. I trusted you. I needed some help with my website. And we were able to do the first iteration. We just released the second iteration about three years later. But, you know, it's because I took a liking to you in person. And so people say, oh, the younger generation doesn't want to do that. I get people when I'm being talked about to speak at a conference. Sometimes the meeting planner will say, oh, we have a lot of millennials and you're going to talk about face-to-face communication and they don't want that. And it's actually nuts because what I'm seeing is as more and more of the millennials get closer to 30 years old and beyond, a lot of them are looking around at their friends who are uber successful and they say, well, I want to be like him. And if you start dissecting what that, you know, him or her are doing, a lot of them have done exactly what you've done, which is gone out there and actually taken people for coffee and got to know them and served the community and helped people and and made referrals back and and promoted other people. And it's like, they're starting to say, well, I want that. And so I think the millennials get a bad rap. I think they just, you know, for a long time, everybody in the media said, oh, they're all about just clicks and likes. But in reality, people are still people. My dad had a great line that you can go back 2000 years and read stories in the Bible and they're about lust and greed and war and cheating and, you know, people in business doing things right or wrong and, and people in power doing things right and wrong. And then you can turn on the six o'clock news and you're going to get the exact same stories with different players. So people haven't changed in 2000 years. And this need to connect and this way that connecting actually leads to success, that's going to be the same forever, no matter what our communication tools are. Agreed. And I think our, um, the big other thing with millennials I've noticed is I agree with the, what you've talked about, but in my group of friends and people who are doing things like, like I'm doing or in different industries, I think a big thing for us is um, we're just, we have a different ability for um, being concise and brevity in our actions, which some people take the wrong way. Um, but to me, it's just that uh, we usually have a million things going on and we, we like keeping things quick and we, we enjoy our friends and we enjoy our interactions, but it might just not be the stereotypical, you know, sit on the back porch and talk for three hours relationship. Uh, and I think sometimes that's mistaken for us not caring about those interactions when really we just have a different approach to how we do that. But again, you know, I think you've proven that the face to face is really the key. Oh, yeah. That, that's the most important. I mean, the tools are great to cultivate the relationships. I can, I can, you know, tweet back and forth with somebody or email back and forth, you know, if I actually, you know, know them. That's why when it comes to LinkedIn, I sort of have my coffee, meal, or beer rule. I don't want to link to every stranger who can fog a mirror. I want to make sure we have a foundation of the fact that we know who each other are. So whether that's live or over the phone or by Skype, you know, I tend not to connect to people until I actually know there's a reason that, you know, we're connecting. And yet, 
you know, once we're connected, we don't have to see each other in person every single time. So I, I don't think it matters if you're a millennial or an old guy like me. I think that, you know, it's it's just about efficiency. But if we underplay the face-to-face, I think that we're, we're limiting our future. Definitely. I think that's well said. I think I have friends, like to your point, I have, you know, friends from high school or things that uh, they'll still, I just got a website client from Ohio from someone I hadn't talked to in three, four years, but we had that strong personal connection. He knew who I was and the type of work. So when he heard someone needed that, he sent him my way uh, without even thinking twice. And that's just because of exactly what you're saying. Hey, Matt, I've got a couple more questions for you, but first, okay. I got to thank the sponsor of this episode. So today's show is Let's brought to you. Today's show is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. And Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing cool people like Matt Wolski. So if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, reach out to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Matt, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing you're doing in your businesses right now? In our businesses, uh, you know, I think the coolest thing we're doing at Found right now is uh, similar to what we just did for you, which is these new videos. Uh, and, you know, I'm getting really excited about all these videos because, uh, one, we're kind of changing how we do them. We use a lot of drone footage. We, we have a couple drones in our capacity. We, uh, and, you know, for me, watching the way marketing's changing and evolving, these videos uh, are absolutely driving that. And with, you know, how, how successful Facebook advertising has become and how they've done a great job of not totally ruining it yet, uh, you know, we have a lot of fun with releasing these videos and then putting a budget behind them and just watching it explode for our clients. Awesome. Uh, and that's, that's always been where my passion is anyway. Just, uh, that's what Mitch and I connected originally when we were starting found is on the photo video side. But so now it's really, it's been a part of our business. That's kind of just been, uh, it's there. Uh, sure. You want a video? We could do it kind of deal. And now it's becoming, uh, one of the most exciting things of what we do where we have clients coming to us. We have Uh, And we're really proud of what we're producing there. So that's been uh, definitely, I think, the most exciting thing we're doing at Found. Well, Uh, and and let me jump in. Let me jump in. If anybody wants to go see something that they did, go ahead and go over to TomSinger.com. And if you go down, like, just just maybe just scroll down just a little bit, you'll see a little button that says Watch Tom in Action, I think is what it says. It's a picture of it is. It's a picture of me. And if you click on that, it'll take you to a video and you can see some of their latest work. Yeah, we'll take that. Uh, we'll take that promotion. That's right. Well, and 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 I think now we have to put it on Facebook and put a budget behind it. So when we finish recording, tell me what I got to do. Got it. I can do that. <laughs> and the coolest thing you're doing in your other businesses? Um, you know, I think the coolest thing we're doing at both Parlor Yarn Coast, and it's what Jason and I originally bonded over, and it's what Ben came into the fold because he understood and really loved, is focusing on bars and restaurants that aren't just watering holes, uh, which is great and people need those but we wanted our concepts to always be a little more so we have parlor and yard which is uh, on the west Coast district which is kind of known in parts of that district you know it's more of the bottle service clubs and kind of that attempt of austin to have a little bit of vegas flair and then there's you know bars that are just very uh high energy crazy people going nuts on a weekend kind of deal and of course we have that 
but you know, we focus on, you know, we have a game room with shuffleboard and foosball and old school bubble hockey, and we have darts and board games and all that thing, those type of things that just focus on kind of elevating the experience from just a place you go to drink. Uh, and so that's been something we really want to focus on in all of our concepts is doing a little more, taking that extra step towards making them more than the average. And where is Parlor and Yard located? Uh, it's at the corner of 6th and Nueces, so it's right across from Star Bar for people who are familiar with Austin. But uh, yeah, it's just right at kind of the beginning of the West 6th Street Entertainment District. Awesome. Well, I'm actually meeting some people tonight in that district. Maybe I'll come in and have a drink after I'm done with them. Sounds good to me. Hey, so I think that in addition to you know all the wonderful things that you're doing, I think that great entrepreneurs, in addition to like making things happen and starting businesses... I think that they're great observers. So I love to ask the guests who come onto this show, what's something cool that you see another entrepreneur doing? Not someone in your company, but someone that you say, wow, from the outside looking in, that guy's crushing it. Yeah, there's two that right now that really stand out. You know, number one is uh, it's a hot topic issue here right now in Austin with the Uber and Lyft situation. And uh, so seeing the way that the city has kind of responded with, uh, Ride Austin and what they're doing to kind of just change uh, the landscape totally. You know, they took something that was a PR nightmare for the city and what it's known for and flipped it into exactly the opposite. Uh, and so that's been really exciting to watch. Uh, just seeing how they're responding, who's jumping in, and what they're doing to solve that problem. Uh, and, you know, the other thing, uh, it's, it's back home, but uh, in at the Cleveland-Akron area, there's a number of people that are doing uh, just that area is kind of resurging. And so for me growing up, you know, in the nineties and all that Cleveland was really just not a place you would ever spend time. <laughs> and, uh, it still has a long way to come, but watching a few of my friends, you know, focus on, um, large scale community redevelopment through, you know, getting millennials activated and getting them moving back into these communities and refurbishing these homes and, you know, opening businesses and all that kind of thing. Uh, that's been probably the most exciting thing for me to watch is just watch, you know, it, it's fun to do what I'm doing and um, it's, it's had some success and it's had all of that kind of thing. Um, but to me, that's kind of the next step and sort of Holy Grail is actually affecting how people live uh, and kind of, you know, turning around parts of communities and cities and making it all better and easier. And so both those projects, I think, are things that focus on that. And that really is exciting to me. Well, and Cleveland is making a huge resurgence, as is Pittsburgh. And actually, it's interesting. I forgot that you're from the Cleveland area when all of your friends, and I'm sure that thousands of them will be tuning in to listen to this episode. Cleveland's actually one of the top two cities that I'm trying to get to go to to speak at conferences or for companies because my daughter's living in Pittsburgh. And so I'm really aggressive at trying to find ways to get to get within a three or four hour drive of Pittsburgh for business so that I can cruise over and have dinner with her. So if anyone from Cleveland's listening and you've got an event coming up, I'm just going to plug myself. I want to come to Cleveland. Yeah, it's, a, it's been fun to watch. A lot of people want to come to Cleveland uh, lately. And so watching what they're doing there, when you talk about exciting things other people are doing, that just watching the amount of innovative businesses and what people are doing, I mean, even down to Columbus, but uh, Cleveland's a little more where I grew up. So watching that has been exciting. So in addition to being observers, I also think that entrepreneurs want to do more than just make money. They want to leave their mark behind. So what do you do to sort of give back to the greater good? I think um, that's been one of the more 
enjoyable parts of doing this. You know, you talked about what you like, like about these projects, I think, or what I've been working on. Um, I got, I was given a lot to get to where I am. Um, you know, not financially or anything like that, just support and people who are willing like you and other people to sit down with me and talk about things early on. Uh, so I try and never really say no to those kind of requests for coffee or lunch or to speak somewhere or to just bounce ideas off someone. Uh, so that's the easy side of it. On the other side, you know, it's working on projects that uh, matter, you know, are, are big in the community. So being willing to give time and energy towards um, different nonprofit groups or uh, just different things going on all over the place. Um, and then, you know, the big one I do to my point of helping people take that leap is, uh, you know, with my friends or anyone, uh, my dad, anyone like that is looking to kind of jump out on their own. I've kind of always been jumping in all hands in to help them launch, whether it's consulting on websites or, you know, helping them make sure the people they're hiring in fields that I know things about are doing things the right way or anything like that. Just giving big support to anyone in my network who is ready to jump out on their own. Cause I think that's, you know, the most exciting thing to watch someone do. Well, Matt, I think, you know, you're, you're awfully young and you're doing amazing things. And I think that over the next 50 years, we're going to see great things out of you. I think both in your business, but also the way you leave your mark on the greater good, because you do have a big heart and I've seen you help people. And I think that's fantastic. So I would like to thank you for jumping on here and being a guest on cool things entrepreneurs do. And if people are listening and they think, oh, I got to find out more information. I, I need someone to help me with my website or my videos or, oh my gosh, I need just a cool bar to hang out with, ha hang out at a restaurant in Austin. How do they find out about Found Media? How do they find Parlor and Yard? And when it opens next month, how in the world do they get a reservation? Because the list is going to be, it's going to be hard to get into, I'm sure. How do they get a reservation to eat at Coast? Sure. So, so found is uh, online a little bit of hopefully everywhere, but, but uh, we kind of use foundmediagroup.com as our home base. Uh, and then Parlor in the Yard and Coast, you can keep up with updates on uh, lionsharehospitality.com uh, or parloryard.com and then soon to be uh, coastaustin.com. And you're right, Coast is only about 50 seats, so uh, it's going to be a fun, hopefully often packed little spot uh, for the neighbors there in that part of the community. Well, and I, I get to get through the velvet ropes, right? When I want to bring of my course. wife to coast, we don't have to wait like two weeks for a reservation. Yeah, not a chance. I hope, hopefully no one ever has to wait two weeks. We don't want it to be that kind of place, but I'm not going <laughs> to argue if people want to constantly be there. <laughs> that would be the worst of your problems. Oh my God, we have too many patrons. Exactly. What will we do? <laughs> All right. Well, again, thank you for being on the show and thanks everybody for listening. I say it time and time again, without the audience, there would be no show. So thanks for tuning in. If you want to find out more about the things we're doing in the cool things entrepreneurs do community, we've got a Facebook page, we have a Twitter account, and we have the cool things project, which is the group, group coaching program that I've put together. And we have a great group. We meet every week with a little video hangout and we all kind of share what we're working on in our businesses. We've created a way to have a little bit of accountability and for the people who've joined, I like to believe they're getting value because they keep coming back and logging on. So now is the time to join uh, the Cool Things Project. And you can find that at TomSinger.com. Pull down the About menu and there's a button for Group Coaching Program. And you'll find out everything you need to know. So we're going to be back in a couple of days with another interview with somebody just as cool as Matt Wolski. But in the meantime, you go out there and have a great day. 
Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.